What is going on? It is the movie act here on movie act on crack. And we're going to be cracking today for today's podcast, a movie. We haven't done one of those in a while. So I just wanted to bring us back to the realm of movies for a bit. This one I was kind of suggested to watch, but was also on my watch list for a while. The movie is called Molly's Game. So the reason why I really wanted to really see this, at least at the time of release, was because there was a lot in it. There's a lot of material to cover. And uh, today, or not too long ago, I was suggested by my friend to review the, watch this movie on Netflix, review it, crack it, talk about it, all that good stuff. So I've now that I've finally seen it and been able to kind of conjure my thoughts, I will be able to finally crack why Molly's Game is not great, but it's not bad. You know, it gives you some details, and it's actually a pretty solid tale about poker about well i guess this the the very shady stuff that happens during poker but most of all is really a biopic on molly bloom if you guys haven't heard that name molly bloom is was or was she was a poker dealer who what who what she did was basically she hosted poker games she did this for a lot of the elites a lot of like the very much higher powered uh, people whether this be like Hollywood actors, celebrities, sports stars, you name it. She did a lot of poker games involving like high like high figures. And so it kind of deals like into like how she was feeling during this time, more like what she did. And it's really, it's a really heavily dialogue movie. Like it's really full of dialogue. And this, the director of this movie is Aaron Sorkin, who also writes the movie and He's more known for his writing than directing. He's known to have a very specific style that's very fast, that's very witty, that's very just, like, slick. And I guess for a story about poker, it makes sense that you want to have that story be told by someone like Sorkin. But I just don't think, I don't think, like, his style of, like, having that so much dialogue really fits here. I mean, at least from a directorial standpoint. I think his writing always far exceeds his directing, at least in terms of, like, dialogue and entertainment, because... I wasn't really bored during this movie. It was mostly really entertaining uh, overall. And I actually did learn a little bit more about the Molly Bloom case. And like rather like, you know, how she managed to rise to power and then eventually fall. Which then is written into a memoir which is literally called Molly's Game. And that's what the movie's adapting. The movie is mostly an adaptation of that memoir. But it is also a bit of a biopic in some ways too. And the, the main girl who plays her I believe is... Uh, Jessica Chastain, she plays Molly Bloom, and Molly Bloom's supposed to be, like, right in her, like, late 20s, early 30s in this, maybe mid-20s, and Jessica Chastain's, like, in her 40s, so definitely a bit of a raising age difference, but with the power of Hollywood makeup, you can do that. You can make her look young, and also very, yeah, you'll, you'll know when you see the movie, but basically, the whole movie follows Jessica Chastain's Molly Bloom as she starts off actually telling about her time as an Olympic skier. Yeah, that's something I never knew. She actually did Olympic sports, but apparent, but she did have a really critical injury in her back, which did prevent her from doing any more. She kind of talks a little bit about her family life, but only briefly. And there is a subplot involving the father, which I think is probably the worst aspect because I was just more into the poker scene. I think they only included the father stuff to give you kind of a moral reason to care for her because, well, it's family stuff. But I just don't think it really works as well as it could be and is probably the worst aspect of the movie. So, yeah, Molly's Game, I was actually 
I did, even though I did find a little bit of holes or no, not really holes, rather like just problems with like the script, I feel like, and like certain subplots, I still had a really fun time. And I will kind of go more into that the more I talk about the plot. So uh, as Molly Bloom starts off her rise to power, you begin to be introduced to these high, high authority or high figures, you know, the, the Hollywood elite in some cases. And we meet one known as Player X. He's played by none other than Superbad's Michael Sarah. Yeah, that awkward kid from Superbad, he plays someone entirely different here. He plays someone who's very cold, who's very, I guess, demanding. He He's only in the movie for like 20 minutes, though, like mostly in the middle. But he absolutely kills it. Anyways, he comes in. He demands a lot of stuff from Molly. All the players actually do. And they're asking her for all these demands and stuff. And this is kind of overwhelming her and... You kind of see that, you see what happens. You see how she handles it and how the players handle it. And she even gives tips to one of the people on poker, which definitely adds to the story. So I think it's safe to assume that Molly Bloom is a very active character in the story. She's constantly influencing everyone around her. The characters are obviously having big roles in here, even though they are supporting. But... I will get a little more into the Player X character because he's actually a really interesting inspiration there. But basically, you get introduced to all these um players, you know, they're meant to be resembling the elite or the, the high authority. And so Chastain's running this really, it's also illegal. This whole thing that she's doing is illegal. It's an illegal poker, uh, uh, you know, poker room she's like running and she eventually gets caught. And this is not to like way at the end of the movie. And this is where another subplot comes in. This movie is a bit of a non-linear movie, I think, because it does kind of like cut to like the future often with her and her lawyer. He's played by Idris Elba, and then it cuts to like her time working in poker. So there is two essential plots in the movie that we're following, and both I think work pretty well in their own right. Like as you kind of see, obviously her situation in court, and obviously the reason for her arrest. You also see why she was arrested. So I think it does cover the the five W's of you know movies at least tells you why she uh did what she did not really why but rather like why she's in this situation why is she here they kind of have reason to be in the story which is definitely i guess a basic but still nevertheless important for for this movie at least you know why every character is included i think if you there were one character you can remove and it wouldn't influence the story it'd probably be kevin costner's uh dad because he didn't really provide much to the movie not the actor but the character it's like Molly Bloom, I just don't think we needed a backstory of the family. All I would have been okay with is at least maybe one, that one scene with the father at the ice, not the ice skating, but like the Olympics and just that little opening, it would have been fine because her family members contribute nothing to the story, but they do offer one specific thing. They do tell us that Molly Bloom, she tried to stand out a lot like her brothers. Her brothers were all like very, very excelling in their own right. They were very critical they're very talented and uh, molly bloom aimed to be that and that's what olympic sports were for her they were kind of that but then she sees this poker thing is kind of like what's going to make her like the i guess breadwinner or not really breadwinner but rather like a i guess notable person in her family you know to have her recognized because she was raised with two other brothers so you know you want to get that recognition and There is kind of like a motivation there, but it's a motivation that isn't really brought up or really put out there in the movie. It's kind of just faded away in the background the more the movie continues. And, you know, motivations don't have to be explicitly stated all the time, but they should always be in mind. 
And for a movie that's such filled with heavily dialogue, with a lot of dialogue, even with the narration, you gotta wonder, did she ever bring up her family even more? Because most of the dialogue and the narrating in this movie is mostly about poker. It's mostly about the moves they make. And that is important. It is important to talk a bit and get people interested into poker movie. But it doesn't necessarily make that a better movie in itself. It may have given us some more details about poker. But it doesn't tell us more about the story in general. Other than that she is a person who rose to power. Did some poker. Ran an illegal poker uh, you know, thing with the these elite people and boom she left and or she got caught and then she went to court there is kind of a point a to point b but it's not really like shown in that linear way it's more like point a to point b to point a to point b it keeps switching around and i'd say it's pretty well done i actually like the editing in this movie i think it's a very well paced movie and i think that's where the heavily the heavy narration kind of works because if we didn't have all that narrating in those poker scenes, I think this movie would have been way worse in its pacing. The narrating actually kept me into it because there was always someone talking, always something going on. And that's fine, you know. It's okay to have a lot going on, but it's sometimes good to have a little going on. And I'm, I'm a person who tends to be more little than big, but I still think the heavy narrating definitely works in its favor for the movie because at least now you get something that's well-paced. And keep in mind, this is a 2-hour and 20-minute or 10-minute story, so... There's a lot of ground to cover, and they do all that within, or the director does all that within this time. And yeah, it's very, I guess, very heavy in that regard for directing and writing. So that's kind of a bit about like what the movie's like, what the kind of, I guess what the gist of this movie is, what the kind of tone is for this movie. It's very, it's very sly, it's very slick, it's very stylish, and I'd say there's just enough substance it's not like style without substance it's not really like that i'd say there's still a little bit in there for you and now i've kind of done talking a bit about the the essential story of molly's bloom i kind of want to get into a bit more about the characters especially player x so i'm going to start off with him actually because i've already mentioned a little bit about molly bloom so let's go into player x player x is basically one of the best poker gamblers at the table he's he's introduced like midway through the movie and you kind of see he has an admiration towards Molly Bloom, largely because she's the one running these games. She's a very excellent hostess, and obviously he respects her for that regard. But as you kind of see later on in the movie, you kind of see him act very irrationally, very demanding, and you kind of realize that he's actually a very bad person, or a really rude person at least. And there's one final scene with him, or one last scene with him at the end like near the middle of the end where uh you see them arguing over like the poker games and how he's the best at the table and how he wasn't really appreciated by molly yet he appreciated her and so you want to know the inspiration of this character for player x you want to really know well it is one person but it's mostly an encapsulation of hollywood actors and this includes mostly leo dicaprio ben affleck uh, matt damon was there at one point but it's primarily based upon Tobey Maguire, plot twist. The actor who played Spider-Man was a poker dealer. For those of you who do watch, who do look into it more than just the Spider-Man movies, you guys would know that Tobey Maguire was a poker person. He very much was into gambling. He's been doing it even before he was Spider-Man. And Molly Bloom 
the Molly Bloom stuff happened during like the early 2000s. So right at the height of his fame, he was actually doing all these games and going to these games. And Michael Sarah's Player X is Tobey Maguire, essentially, for the most part. And it's kind of wild to think about at first. At first glance, you think, what? How could this be Tobey Maguire, right? Because he has this superhero persona on screen, but then you look off screen and it's, I guess, not looking too good. I mean, I put it aside personally because I still love his acting, and I personally care more for his acting than his personal life, but the whole stuff going on with Molly Bloom is still really, really interesting story. But the more you, like, look into that stuff, you or the more you watch this movie, you'll actually hear a little bit of Toby's, like, cadence and inflections of Michael Sarah. There's especially this one moment, it's a very small moment, though, where he Michael Sayers, uh, Player X, he literally says to someone, hey, buddy, in the same way Tobey Maguire says, hey, buddy, in Spider-Man, like, 3. I'm not even kidding. Just listen to both back-to-back. It's a pretty similar inflection. And so I think he's Michael Sayers, Player X, is definitely more Tobey Maguire than the rest of the Hollywood actors. But it's still really, really fascinating how, he, how Michael Sayers managed to capture that I guess not really an impersonation, but definitely that influence really well. He was able to really show that, well, all these people were so demanding. These actors and these gamblers were really into the poker games, and they really wanted it all. And Yeah, there was a lot to it. Let's just say that. And I definitely think Player X is one of the more interesting characters in this movie by, by far. Definitely my favorite character. Going in next is Molly Bloom. We've already mentioned a little bit about her, how she was a skier, but I want to talk more about her personality. So Molly Bloom is someone who's very cold, but still has a little bit of humor. She's someone who's very, you know, she's like in control. She's like very much the, I wouldn't want to say alpha because I feel like that's the wrong way to say it, but she's very much a leader-like persona. She very much wants control of the room she takes control of any room she walks into and that's basically her character there's obviously more to her like how she's very very committed to the game and very committed to she's a hustler as well that's also important to mention and just and this character is not unlike a character jessica chastain has played in zero dark 30 and miss moen that's like the biggest comparison of characters here a lot of people think actually that Jessica Chastain was typecast for being that like strong female character, which she is meant to be here. But then people also point out how she relied a little bit on the help of her father. But I don't think the father's supposed to mean a lot in this story. The father wasn't exactly involved in the poker stuff. He was more involved with like trying to take care of her and trying to show her, you know, appreciation and love. It's not really about the poker with him. And so I think it's not really a reliance. It's much more of a bond. And she is really a strong character, I think, in her own right. She really does control the room, and you actually do see that. It's kind of well done, in my opinion. And you really do see how Molly Bloom was such a big fig, or pretty big figure, at least in the poker industry at that time. Uh, the next, I think, big character we like to mention is the lawyer. So Idris Elba's lawyer is very much a, I guess you could say, a very much a typical workman. He has a daughter he takes care of. He is very much a good lawyer. He's understanding. He wants to find the best possible conclusion, and he has to figure out the way to reach there. And Idris Elba, sorry, I just butchered that name almost. He he does a really compelling job of going after that, of playing that kind of very, very supportive, very 
I guess, stern lawyer character. And I think it does contrast very well with Chastain's very headstrong woman female character. And I think the two have really good chemistry and it does help out a lot for like the lawyer scenes at the end because I think the first half of this movie is incredible. The first half of this movie is easily a four-star movie, but then the second half goes into like three-star, two-and-a-half territory because it becomes less about the poker and more about the lawyer because she eventually gets caught or whatever. And, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, Joe Keery of Stranger Things appears in this movie as a trust fund kid for, like, one scene. It's actually, yeah, you actually see him steal stuff. What a champ. Okay, enough with the jokes, but, yeah, those are, like, the most, like, primary characters in this story. I'm not really going to mention Kevin Costner's character because I really think you can just remove him from the story. Nothing would change, really. And I think you'd still miss a lot, I feel like, if you walked out. That is one thing important. Every scene does feel like it needs to be there because you need to know more about these guys. You need to know how they play. There are more poker characters introduced. You eventually get introduced to a character played, I think, by Bill Camp. He plays a very much a guy who holds a lot. He's very, like held back in his game of poker and you actually see how unlucky he is during the games which does lead him to telling people about the poker's thing which leads to molly bloom's arrest so but there are a lot of impactful characters here and they are by far one of the strongest aspects of this movie so now i've kind of done talking about the characters the story the acting i'm going to take a little bit of a break here listen to some rain and then we're going to be back and we're going to talk a little bit more i think about the themes of this movie as well as Aaron Sorkin himself as a director and writer. So stay tuned for that. Talk later. And we are back in the movie act on crack. The movie act here continuing the discussion on Molly's game. And now we've obviously concluded our character acting story analysis. We're going to talk a little bit more about the themes of the movie. So from what I can identify, I'm assuming Molly Bloom's, obviously Molly Bloom wrote a memoir to help her get a little bit out of debt. But... Another reason I think why she wrote this was to show us the dangers of doing something illegally. And I think the primary theme here, if we're going to talk about being illegal, is like not messing with stuff that's bigger than you. Don't mess with something that's going to be going above you and is above who you are as a person. And I think that was the biggest thing in Molly's game about how you shouldn't try to contest the things that are bigger than you or else you will eventually pay for it in the end and i just think that is probably the biggest thing i could take away from all this game don't obviously don't be illegal don't do poker unless you want to have fun and do poker do it legally don't don't do it for do do it knowing you're gonna lose something or assuming you'll lose something and i think the biggest thing Molly Blue is trying to tell us is, well, she made a lot of mistakes. And one of her big mistakes was trying to do something so huge, so scandalous that 
it eventually came out to bite her. And now we know why this movie came out now. And so I think that's a pretty big thing. Another one, obviously, is maybe, like, trying to get the attention you want because she didn't get that as much in her childhood, of course, by showing the movie. I'd say it's definitely more a side theme, though. That comes up every now and then. You know, it's there, but it's not, like, often approached. I think Iron Sorkin likes to go a lot more into the poker game itself, and I think for people who are unfamiliar with poker, this is actually a really good movie. It doesn't tell you a bit about how to play poker, but it does introduce you to these fancy words in poker, and I definitely think that is something worth noting for the direction in the movie. And Aaron Sorkin did an absolutely fantastic job of showing us that, and yeah. So I definitely think those are some pretty much the themes of the movie. I don't think there's much more to really touch up upon. Maybe maybe talking a little bit about the the culture in the movie. The maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the world. So the world of Molly's game is one that is both very shady, very charismatic, but also very risky. That is how I could define this world. Like Molly Bloom takes a lot of risks in like her journey and it's definitely something worth noting that molly bloom is a risk taker and that actually i'd say aaron sorkin even in his direction takes a few risks at times definitely you know making question questioning whether we should root for her or whether we should actually want to see her lose and i personally didn't really uh lean to either side but i definitely found it nice how he made us challenge our connection with the character a lot i don't think many movies do that where they challenge your connection with the main character they make your hero someone less heroic and i'm really glad that the that this movie kind of makes you question the, the protagonist a bit more and that, that that is something i've always liked about Aaron sorkin in general i mean i'm gonna talk a little bit more about him as a writer so he started off in the 90s he was writing some pretty solid projects like a few good men worth noting he also wrote the TV show The West Wing, which is considered one of the best in its time, one of the best TV shows in its time. But the one that I really enjoyed was Moneyball. He he wrote the script for that, and I thought it was really, really well done. Mostly because, I obviously, I love baseball, so that helps me a lot. But something about the performances felt really slick, very underplayed, very smooth. And that is kind of the way Molly's game works as well. It has, they both of those movies have that very similar slick tone, and I think Aaron Sorkin's style works really well for that in courtroom dramas, which is why You Can't Handle the Truth is so iconic as a quote, because, you know, well, it works. It works within the context of the scene, and it gives you a very, very slick line in general, and I think it's something worth noting, for sure, about Sorkin's ability as a writer, and I think in this movie, the way he writes Molly Bloom is so well done because it shows us how obviously she's shown to be headstrong so maybe we should respect her but it also kind of questions whether what she's doing is worth following for should we continue to like her and i think that obviously i think go leans on the actress so i think this movie definitely it leans on the actress's ability to really show those traits of the character but also kind of lead us as there's so much narration she has to do so much dialogue and she manages to balance that really, really well, I think. And that is something that is really, really awesome to see within the writing of Aaron Sorkin. And so I know 
uh, Aaron Sorkin went back to directing again. He directed, I believe it was Trial of the Chicago 7. And I don't know if I want to see that yet, but definitely on my list. I know what it's about. It's definitely an interesting tale from what I've heard. But he basically, he's very good, I think, at exploring that, like, very, very dialogue, very heavy um, environment really well. I think he's good at handling those heavily environmental, I guess, you know, you know what I mean? Like he's good at handling the atmosphere of his movies. And that's another thing he's good at, I think, with directing. He's able to really establish an atmosphere for every movie he does. I think with Trial of the Chicago 7, obviously it was meant to be a courtroom drama. So he sticks to that. With Molly's Game, he knew what this movie wanted to be. He knew he wanted this movie to be a fact-based drama or even a, just a fact-based poker movie. I mean, that's what it is, right? And I mean, not everything in uh, biopics or, you know, adaptations of real-life memoirs are, they're never fully accurate, but there is obviously something to that that, like, works, I think, in its favor. It's pretty, pretty well done, I think, in that respect. The atmosphere is really well established. The tone in the movie, we've brought it up before, it's definitely a movie filled with, like, untrustworthiness and not very good people and we, we already know that but Sorkin's just I think in my opinion he's really good at establishing that tone because he gets it from his writing too his writing was also able to kind of do the same thing and the directing kind of it kind of carries over into directing and I definitely want to see more projects like Molly's Game and I'm not sure about Chicago 7 yet but if he does continue to direct I hope he kind of sticks to doing more real life stuff like Molly's Game because that was I don't think it's the best movie on earth, but it was definitely really entertaining for a poker movie. And I did not expect it to be as um, fast-paced as it was. And so I think the stuff with the court, I think, in Molly's Game is also well done because of his experience with courtroom dramas. So I think he, he was good at like, keeping that, like, you know, he, he, he made it heavy, but also watchable. He made it watchable. That's the most important thing. That is something I will continue to admire a little more about Molly's Game. Its ability to give you a very watchable movie without entirely confusing you all the time. You don't have to know the terms. All you got to know is like the emotion on screen. And I think Sorkin knows. He just knows what he wants to do. But I think most of the time also, it's not... I think there are moments where Sorkin does kind of like... Because it's so dialogue heavy, you kind of get a lot of exposition. And, you know, that, that can ruin a movie. A lot of exposition ruins a movie. If you have less exposition, it's better. But, like, if you do have exposition, at least make it come from a character who knows what they're talking about. They can't give you exposition in the form of, like, out of nowhere. Like, they know this. They have to give exposition that not only fits the, the scene, but also kind of helps the viewer understand rather than just, like, if you show them and they don't understand, that's bad. I mean, hey, they do say show, don't tell. But what they mean by that is show the action on screen, show the effect, not tell the effect. It's different when you're showing something that, you, that people don't know. You have to explain it a little more so that people are like, ah, I get it. I mean, you could kind of talk about ex exposition like a joke in many ways. The more you tell a joke, the less effect it has on the person receiving the joke. The less you tell the joke, though, and the more you try to let people see the effect and then make it laugh at it, then it kind of has a lot of punch to it and i think sorkin was no, has always been known for that he's always known to pack a punch in everything and 
But you're also able to see this in The Social Network. That's another movie written by Sorkin, directed by David Fincher, though. And I'd say Social Network also contained a lot of those aspects. I mean, something I think we've all noticed is that a lot of Sorkin's movies are very nonfiction, but I think another, you know, obviously there's other realistic aspects, like The Social Network, for example. That, you know, the, everyone knows the one scene about to mention, but the but the scene where, um, you know, where I think Jesse Eisenberg's Mark Zuckerberg's in the courtroom and he's like, I want all my, you know, like how he's talking about how half of the people that he worked with wouldn't even have been able to create Facebook, unlike him. And this kind of shows the ego that Mark had, but it also shows how slick Mark Zuckerberg is in a character. And I think he also, the reason why he was so good at making Molly like that was because he took some of his writing a little bit from the writing of Zuckerberg. Obviously, Zuckerberg and Molly Bloom are very different characters in their own right. One is more of a big ego, and he's very, you know, smart. The other one's more headstrong and very slick and committed and strong. So I think they're both different characters, but Sorkin kind of maintains that, like, slickness, smart one in the room, the best in the room, the one who knows everything, the one who keeps that. That's That's what he knows what to do, and he does the similar thing with Molly here. And that, that is something really good, I think, about Sorkin's style. Sorkin really does have a style of his own, and I think it's one that is very unparalleled to many screenwriters that you see today. And when we talk about screenwriters, he's usually one of the top people that you're going to bring up. And overall, that's kind of why I liked, I think I like Molly's Bloom a lot, because it is something that is very uh, well-written, I think, in terms of like style, but I don't think it's well-written in terms of like giving you a bunch of plots that work together like some of the time the movie is dangling but a lot of the time the movie is really working and really doing a good job at maintaining strong structure on the screen and that that's probably one of my favorite parts about molly bloom or more about molly's game because the reason why the movie's called molly's game now obviously it's the title is supposed to encapsulate the whole movie it's supposed to be like oh who is it about maybe where it takes place the title is meant to obviously talk about whose game is this? Is this Molly's or is it the player's game? And obviously it's supposed to be Molly's game because Molly's the one who controls the whole thing. And so I think the title's really good at telling us already if it's Molly's game, Molly's going to be the one in control. And I think immediately that's a well-done title. In that regard, at least, it's really well done. So I think that's basically what I have to say about themes and Aaron Sorkin's style. As a movie actor cracker, I hope to talk about a little bit more of his movies, maybe even bringing Moneyball into the future as the new MLB The Show game's coming out. For those of my listeners who don't know, I am also a Twitch streamer and content creator on YouTube. Not very big, but like I make MLB The Show content on there. And basically, what I do is I play the game, I either analyze it or I talk about it, so... Maybe I'll bring up Moneyball in the future and maybe talk a little more for a movie of the show as that game comes near. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. I know it was a bit of a shorter episode, but that was only because I was doing a movie. Next week, we're probably going to be talking a little more about WandaVision, the new Marvel show. That really did surprise me a lot. It's so far, I mean, I'm on episode like eight now, but it really did surprise me in how, like, how it's unlike a Marvel movie. I mean, other than the score, it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie, even though it is Marvel. And you guys get the point. So, yeah, that's going to be all for this podcast. I hope you guys did enjoy the listen. Keep cracking. Tell me what you guys have been cracking. And I'll see you all later. Hope everyone has a good day. Peace.